Amen. Amen. Was that not awesome or what? Right? That's awesome. In Samoa, when something excites us, we say, Chee-hoo! We get a big chee-hoo for Jesus. Chee-hoo! Amen. Amen. I'm so happy and blessed to be here in the house of the Lord with you. As Rick mentioned, we have a lot of people traveling, the majors that are taking Micaiah to school. Uh, we still have our team in Rio. They return tonight or tomorrow. That's Bram and Cheryl, Lyman and Danielle and Danielle. So we have a lot of people who are out there and about. That is our mission team that went to Rio. And we're just standing and believing that they were able to be a blessing to everybody out there on the streets of Rio. And... Uh, we also have our, our brother Thomas who's opening up his church this morning. And we praise God that that's going to be another house that is going to bring people into the kingdom of God in Eva Beach and beyond. So we're keeping that in prayer as well, right? So don't you guys feel like, yes, amen, God is good. God is good. The house of the Lord is growing. And there's just so much going on. How many of you feel like there's just so much going on? You know, with the elections and then school going back in session and the colleges opening up. Um, you know, with everything being so busy, I am still so happy that I get to be here, to be home and to be up here on this pulpit in the standing here for the majors and for everyone else. And so I'm excited and I, I have my Fitbit on. And so if I collapse up here. You guys get to tell the paramedics uh, my heart rate and how many steps I took and how well I slept last night. <laughs> so let's get going. Let's open up with a short prayer. Father God, uh, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Heavenly Father, mighty God, that you are here this morning. We feel your presence, Father. Your word says where two or more are gathered in your name, that you are here with us, Lord. So, Father, still our hearts, Father God. Help us to be still and know that you are God, Father. And so, Father, we just want to glorify your name this morning. We want to worship you because you're so worthy to be worshipped. Thank you. Thank you for who you are in our lives, for who you are in this community, for who you are in this world. Father, we want to give you all glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, so how many of you uh, attended or volunteered at the Global Leadership uh, held here at CROC this past Thursday and Friday, right? Thank you so much. Amen. It was absolutely awesome. It was an amazing two days of a buffet of impartation. I'm still trying to digest it all, as I'm sure many of you are doing the same, right? Yes. You know, after each of those sessions, uh, we were encouraged to write down a takeaway, something that spoke to us, a useful nugget that we could take back to our offices, take back to our churches, take back to our homes and our families to implement change. And then uh, when Rick does the announcements later, he'll show you highlights from the summit. But right now, I want to share with you one of those nuggets that I got, although there were so many. One of the speakers that really caught my attention, her name is Shauna Nyquist, and I hope I'm saying that right. She is the daughter of Bill Hybels, the senior pastor at Willow Creek Association, who actually puts on this Global Leadership Summit. Shauna wrote a book titled Present Over Perfect. 
The book is an account of her winding, messy journey from exhaustion to peace, from isolation to connection, from hustling and multitasking to sacred presence. And how many of us, uh, that we can so relate to that because we've gotten so busy in our lives trying to do it all. We've got so busy in our lives trying to get ahead, trying to be everything to everyone, especially when it comes to our children and our family. And even though all of those things that demand our time and our energy are good things, we've become exhausted from the hustle of life and we long for rest. Does that strike anything in anyone, right? So I want you to listen to what Shauna writes in her book, Present Over Perfect. She says, in many ways, I love this life, loved my husband, adored my kids, was so thankful to be a writer, but it's like I was pulling a little red wagon, and as I pulled it along, I filled it so full that I could hardly keep pulling. That red wagon was my life, and the weight of pulling it was destroying me. I was aware that I was missing the very things that I so badly longed for, connection, meaning, peace. But there was something that kept driving me forward, a set of beliefs and instincts that kept me pushing, 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 even as I was longing to rest. My health was suffering. I was frequently sick. I slept poorly and not enough. I got migraine and then vertigo. The muscles in my neck, I can feel that, and shoulders felt more like rock than tissue, and the circles under my eyes looked like bruises. My heart, the heart that I used to offer so freely, the heart that I used to wear proudly on my sleeves, had retreated deep into my chest, wounded and seeking protection. My ability to taste and connect and feel deeply had been badly compromised. My faith was stilted. That means it became artificial. It had become over time yet another way to fail rather than a respite or healing relationship. I loved my life, but I had become someone I didn't want to be around. I had become someone I didn't want to be. I'm pretty sure that all of us, or at least the majority of us, can relate to Shauna's account of how her quest for perfection took her away from being present in the things that she ultimately discovered mattered the most. There's a story in the Bible that illustrates the same kind of misguided mindset of being so busy chasing perfection that we miss it. Because really what God wants is just for us to be in his presence. I love that we sang the songs about being in God's presence and God being in our presence because he is absolutely present in this house today. Yeah. So this story is found in the book of Luke. It is a story of Martha and her sister Mary. It all started when Jesus came to Bethany to visit the home of Martha, Mary, and their brother Lazarus. They had become cherished personal friends of Jesus during his earthly ministry. He had a profound love for their family. And it's clear from the book of Luke that Jesus made himself at home in their house. He was comfortable in there. 
Now certainly this family was known for their hospitality and Martha in particular is portrayed everywhere as a meticulous hostess. The fact that her name was usually listed first whenever she's named with her siblings implies strongly that she was the elder sister of Mary and Lazarus. But this older sister, a noble and beloved follower of Jesus, she was in for a surprise. At the end of Luke 10, Jesus gave Martha a mild scolding and a strong lesson about where her real priorities ought to lie. The passage is short but rich. Luke writes, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who moreover was listening to the Lord's word, seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to Martha, 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 you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only a few things are necessary, really only one. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Luke 10, 38 to 42. You see, Jesus had apparently come to this party at Martha's invitation. She was the one who welcomed him in. This, was, this signified that she was the one in charge of the household. Martha fussed over her hostess duties. She wanted everything to be just right. She was a conscientious and considerate hostess, and these were admirable traits in Martha. Much in her behavior was actually commendable. Jesus is the perfect house guest. He instantly made himself at home. He enjoyed the fellowship and conversation, and as always, his contribution to the discussion was instructive and enlightening. For sure, his disciples are asking him questions, and he's giving answers that are thought-provoking, well-respected, and extremely uplifting. Mary's instinct is to sit at his feet and listen. Martha, always the finicky one, went right to work, trying to be the perfect hostess. Initially, Martha is all good being the Martha Stewart of Bethany. Everyone is wild at her ability to put it together. The house looks great, the food smells delicious, the guest list is impressive. Soon, however, Martha begins to grow irritable with Mary. Mary, who is sitting down with the guests instead of helping her with all the things that need to be done to pull off a great party. I'm sure we've all found ourselves in this predicament at one time or another. You know, the person who's supposed to be helping you set up, prepare, cook, serve, has become like another guest enjoying the party. At first, you're patient, it's cool, you can handle. Then as the party goes on and you need to serve all those people, you probably try to throw a subtle hint their way, you know, like you <clears throat> clear your throat, <laughs> hoping to get their attention, or you <sighs> exhale, hoping they're going to look your way. But your helper doesn't catch the hint that you are in the kitchen sweating it out and you're expecting some help. 
then maybe you have to resort to not so subtle hints, like making extra noise, you know, when you start clanging the pots and pans or the dishes in the sink. And that's what Martha was doing. Then when all else fails, Martha, probably trying to peek around the corner, hoping to catch Mary's eye, and maybe with, you know, the old Filipino or Samoan, trying to get your sister's attention. But Mary wasn't making eye contact, and she was totally wrapped up in the presence of Jesus. In the end, Martha gives up trying to be subtle, or nice even, and she airs her grievance against Mary right in front of Jesus. In fact, she complains to Jesus and asks him to intervene and set Mary straight then the way Jesus replies is definitely not what Martha was expecting. It didn't seem to have occurred to Martha that she might be the one in the wrong. And so Martha has her little meltdown. Martha has her drama moment. And Jesus, instead of telling her sister Mary to get up and go help Martha, he says, Martha, Martha. You are worried and bothered about so many things. But only a few things are necessary, really only one. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken from her. You know, when I read this, I was kind of laughing to myself because I was thinking, oh, I wish I had the pigeon version of the Bible. I was thinking of Martha and thinking about what if Mary and Martha were like from, you know, the west side, like Eva Beach, I, right? Martha would be like, what the bleep? And Mary, she might be getting a couple of cracks after the party. But Jesus, his gentle scolding of Martha is first of all a reminder that we should honor others over ourselves. Humility is a constant theme in Jesus' teaching and a difficult lesson for many to learn in discipleship. If you look at Martha's behavior on the outside, it appears to be true servanthood. After all, she was the one who put on the apron and went to work in the task of serving others. But the way she treated her sister Mary soon revealed a serious defect in Martha's servant heart. She allowed herself to become critical and sharp-tongued. In her complaint, she used words in front of other guests that were probably very humiliating to Mary. Martha either gave no thought to the hurtful effect of her words on her sister, or she simply didn't care. She was consumed with how she had been wronged. In reality, Mary was the one whose heart was in the right place. Her motives and desires were more commendable than Martha's. Jesus knew it. Even though no human could ever make that kind of judgment by just observing the external behavior of these two women, Jesus knew it because he knew the hearts of both women. Church, know that even when others don't see the good that you're doing, when others don't agree with what you're doing, know that Jesus does and he sees your heart. Martha's behavior shows how subtle and sinfully human pride can corrupt even the best of our intentions and actions. When Martha was doing, what Martha was doing was by no means a bad thing. She was serving Jesus and her other guests. 
in a very practical and functional sense, she was acting as a servant to all, just as Jesus so often calls us to do. She no doubt started with the best of intentions and motives. But the moment Martha stopped listening to Christ and made something other than him the focus of her heart and attention, her perspective became very self-centered and her attitude of sinful pride made her prey to other kinds of evil as well, like anger, resentment, jealousy, distrust, a critical spirit, being judgmental and unkind. All of that flared up in Martha in a matter of minutes. Naturally, it began to ruin the whole evening for Martha. Okay, so true confession time. My son's wedding in 2010, I tried to be his wedding planner for the ceremony with extreme detail to create the perfect wedding. At the reception, I became so overwhelmed with trying to create the perfect reception. I arranged the seating chart. I was the MC. I, I did the entertainment lineup. But I got so stressed out and became so unflexible, if that's even a word, and frustrated if things didn't go exactly as I had planned. And I was short with people who were trying to be helpful. And I was stubborn and demanding with others who were trying to de-escalate a seating situation. Did you know some one weddings? You invite 500, but 800 show up. <laughs> I was so ugly that day. And just like Shauna wrote in her book, I had become someone that I didn't want to be around. I had become someone I didn't want to be. And to this day, people tell me what a beautiful and fun wedding that was, but I don't have the same memory. I was definitely a Martha that day. See, Mary, in contrast to Martha, was so consumed with the thoughts of Christ that she became completely oblivious to everything else. Mary sat at his feet and listened to him intently, soaking up everything absorbing his every word. She was by no means being lazy. Mary simply understood that the true importance of this occasion was Jesus. I mean, Jesus, the Son of God himself, was a guest in her home. Listening to him and worshiping him were at that moment the very best use of Mary's energies and the one right place for her to focus her attention. If Martha truly had Mary's best interest over her, own, over her own, she might have seen Mary, she might have seen in Mary a depth of understanding and love for Christ that surpassed even her own. She could have learned much from her quieter, more thoughtful sister, but not right now. Martha had a table to set, a meal to get out of the oven, and many, many things to make the perfect party perfect. And she was worried and bothered about everything. Before she knew it, her resentment against Mary had built up and she could no longer restrain herself. Her public criticism of Mary was an ugly expression of pride. Church, if we're all honest, we'll see that we're not so different from Martha. 
and we really need to be more like Mary in this regard, fully devoted to Jesus and make him the most important part of our day. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. That Jesus needs to be the most important part of our day. Let me say this to you. It is okay to let the dishes sit in the sink as hard as that is. It is okay to leave the vacuuming or dusting or whatever else so easily distracts you from sitting at the feet of your Lord. The work will get done in due time. Like Mary, we need to spend time each day worshiping the Lord and focusing on the good part, which shall not be taken away from you. It'll soften your soul. It'll put your work into perspective and enable you to prefer others over yourself. It'll also prepare you for the even tougher times in life than just trying to be a gracious hostess. And believe you me, tougher times will come. I'm sure you've all experienced that already. There will come a time when your life will hit you right in your face, those hard times. There will come a time when life will punch you right in the gut and the enemy will knock you to your knees. But if you've spent time in his presence, if you've spent time with Jesus, if you have a real relationship with Christ, you will know and you will feel his presence in your darkest hour. I have a video clip of our own Becky Luke, who in these past few years have gone, has gone through unimaginable tough times of loss and grief. Yet, in her darkest hour, God's presence was evident. And he provided confirmation that brought her peace. He provided confirmation that brought her comfort. He provided confirmation that even brought a smile to, his, to her heart through his reminders that he was present with her through it all. Watch this video. Amen. Amen. We serve an awesome and a faithful God, do we not? That when you're in his presence and you have a relationship with him, that he knows your needs. He knows what you need to hear from him, the confirmations that you need to carry on. And so church, I would be so blessed to be able to pray for us. How many of us need to just slow it down? to just slow it down and spend time in God's presence, I would be the first to raise my hand. How many of you can say the same? That we need to spend more time in his presence. Yes, we do. Amen. So much going on in this world. I'm going to allow the worship team, ask the worship team to go ahead and sing their song. And I want all of us to just spend this next couple of minutes in his presence, basking in who he is and how much he loves us. And if you want to come forward for prayer, come. We invite you to come. We have an awesome ministry team who is so honored to, to come alongside you in prayer. Come. 
spend time with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Church, thank you so much again for coming out. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, Lord, we want to honor you this morning. And Lord, I thank you for all the hands that were raised, Father. Father, you know their need, Heavenly Father, and you know all our need, Heavenly Father, to be more in you, to be in your presence, Father. And so, Father, I thank you, even that we don't have to go long, Father God, but help us to go deep, Lord. Help us to be deep in your word, deep in prayer, deep in our relationship with you. So, Lord, we just thank you, because we know that you are doing a mighty thing I thank you for everyone that is here today and every family represented, Father. Father, we give you so much praise, so much honor, all that is due unto you. We say we love you, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.